sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. And on this Friday, I'm delighted to welcome you wherever that we may have found you today. We're so pleased to have the privilege that this microphone provides for us to be on the station where you're listening to me right now. We're thankful for every single one of the stations out across America and others around the world that are listening to us today. And we thank the Lord for the privilege we have to raise his name up high, to exalt the name of the Lord, and to expound the great truths of God's precious word. And for the last several days, we've been looking at the most famous sermon that Jesus preached while he was here on the earth, that is, the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And we've looked at it one piece at a time, little chunks of it as we've walked through on the various topics that Jesus deals with. Now, what he's done in this sermon is provide some very, very practical, very helpful information so that all of us, just like his disciples who listened to him on the day that he delivered it, all of us who are saved, who are following him, we want to be discipled as well. We want to know what it is that the Lord would have us to do, how he would want us to live the Christian life. And he has laid out a lot of things here in these three chapters in Matthew, namely chapters 5, 6, and 7, that are going to be very, very helpful if we simply apply them to where we live, where we work, where we play. And I'm telling you, dear friends, the Lord has not left a lot to the imagination. He has given us a really strong set of instructions that will help us greatly. Now, yesterday we looked at the model prayer, that prayer that's sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. And we said, it's just a model. Jesus said, after this manner. And then he gave us some ideas about things that ought to be included when we pray. Today, we're going to look at a specific topic that he included yesterday. In fact, in verse number 12, he said to us in that prayer that we should include something like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So he brings up the subject of forgiveness. And then right immediately after the model prayer, here is more detail about how we're to exercise forgiveness. Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So today I want to talk to you about the forgiveness factor. You know, forgiveness is a major aspect of the Christian faith. It runs against the tide of everything the old carnal nature, the old natural man, everything that we think and believe as a sinner whenever we're without God. I mean, forgiveness runs against the tide of our natural thoughts and processes. It just does not fit in with the dog-eat-dog dog and every-man-for-himself society that people have whenever they leave God out of the picture. But Jesus tells us here that we are to forgive others just like God has forgiven us. I knew a man once who said and said often, I heard him repeat it over and over again, and he would not take coaching to clear it up at all, but he said, oh, I will forgive but if I thought I would forget it, I would write it on a wall. 
Now, in all honesty, I tried to say to him warmly and gently and really to coach him a bit, I tried to say to him, that's not really forgiveness. The attitude that you're expressing is uh, you're just saying, you know, the words I will forgive, but in your heart it hasn't been done. Now, we all know forgiveness is something we can extend Forgetting is something that's not going to go away. We know we will not forget things unless somehow or other our mind starts slipping. But the fact is, forgetting, although it may not be possible to just erase from our memory, forgiveness is nonetheless altogether possible. And the problem I had with this fellow that I mentioned was that he really had just set up something that would enable him to go on being without forgiveness and without forgetfulness as well. He was going to hold the grudge as long as he lived. Now you say, well, what is the idea of forgiveness anyway? To forgive has several possibilities. I mean, in terms of what it means for us. Now, let me just give you some ideas here. Sometimes whenever we forgive, we are extending mercy. We are saying to a person who deserves something different, they deserve maybe punishment or they deserve whatever, but we are saying, I'm going to extend mercy. I'm not going to do what I might even be entitled to. And even though you might deserve that, I'm going to show mercy and we're not going to go there. That is a part of forgiveness. On the other hand, forgiveness sometimes means to acquit. A person is accused of something, it is evaluated, and when the jury comes back or whenever we have evaluated the whole situation, we look at it and we say, I'm going to forgive that whole issue, meaning by that, that whatever the case, based on the things that I know, I'm going to acquit you of any responsibility. You're not going to be held guilty or held accountable for that. Sometimes the matter of forgiveness is a matter of showing pardon to someone. You know, we're familiar with presidential pardons, where a person is, in effect, forgiven of whatever they are guilty of. Governors also have that pardoning power. And you and I, sometimes, we look at somebody, we know they have done what they have done. They may have even admitted that they're guilty of that, and yet we look at them and say, I'm going to extend pardon to you. Just like a governor would do, a president would do, I'm not going to hold you accountable for that. It is done. It is over. You're free. You have no further responsibility. All of this is a part of forgiveness. And at various times, any one of these ideas may be the one you need to plug in. But sometimes it means to clear, to clear the record. You just clear things up. And whenever you do, you know that you have extended the kind of forgiveness that the person needs. Other times it means to exonerate, which is really an official act that would acquit somebody of any responsibility. At other times, the matter of forgiveness is a matter of releasing a person from a duty or a debt or an obligation. It may mean that they have owed you some money, and you say, I'm going to release you from the responsibility of paying that debt. Now, folks, the forgiveness factor is a big factor in the Christian faith. You say, well, where does all of this fit in? How does all of this mesh into my life in a very practical and helpful way? Well, number one, let's not forget where forgiveness comes from. Let's not forget who makes forgiveness possible. God is the great forgiver. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43 
that the fact is forgiveness, remission of sins comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And that remission, that remitting of sins is the forgiveness factor. Not only that, but in 1 John chapter 1, you'll remember we're told that Christians have the obligation to confess whatever sins may come up in their life, and at the same time, God does forgive that as well. Let's read that, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, dear friend, whatever the magnitude of your sin, whatever the multiplicity of sins you may have committed, whatever the situation here, God is the great forgiver. And because he is the great forgiver, this huge factor of forgiveness can be included also in our Christian fellowship. You and I have the privilege and the responsibility before God to hear what Jesus has to say here in the Sermon on the Mount, and he tells us very clearly, we are to forgive men their trespasses just like our Heavenly Father forgives us. But he said, if you don't forgive men, your Heavenly Father is not going to extend forgiveness to you either. So you and I receive it, and we need to also give it. We receive mercy, and we also need to give mercy. Now, immature Christians or carnal Christians often harbor grudges. They receive the goodness of God. They receive the mercy of God. They receive God's forgiveness for themselves, but they do not reciprocate to other people. They may even have some other human being who is saying, well, I forgive you, and then they stand there stubborn, just obstinate as they can be, and say, well, I'm not going to forgive you. That is carnality. That is immaturity at its best. And so we need to know that we need not react as we do sometimes whenever we have pride or whenever our ego is venting itself or maybe other sins are in the mix that keep us from doing what we ought to do and extending forgiveness to other people. You know, sometimes people try to act as though, well, I've got things good with God, but I don't have to get along. I don't have to have good relationships with other people. Friend, whenever we come to this matter of forgiveness, it's all tied together. If we get God's forgiveness, we need to be a forgiver. We need to be able to express that forgiveness to other people. And let me tell you something. Whenever you are a forgiver, it will enhance the important relationships in your life. Like, for example, if you're married, you need to be able to forgive your spouse. Whether you be the husband or the wife, I'm just telling you, that person to whom you're married is not perfect, and you're not perfect, just like with any of us. We are not sinlessly perfect, and whenever we have issues, whether they be small or great, in order to maintain the spousal relationship like it needs to be, we all need to be tremendous forgivers. The same thing is true with our children. The fact that your children disobey you or they do things that embarrass you doesn't mean that you're going to put them out on the street. No, you're going to deal with them. You may have to discipline them, but at some point, very quickly, you're going to forgive them and life is going to be back to normal because it has been dealt with and forgiveness has been extended and it's not something you hold over their head forever. Same thing as you might do with your parents. 
Yes, sometimes your parents misstep, and whether you be a 10-year-old or whether you be a 40-year-old, your parents are always your parents, and don't forget, they sometimes will make mistakes, and when they do, you have to have a forgiving heart and spirit. Same thing about your church family. You know, people sometimes, they are looking for a church that has no problems. Well, listen, folks, churches are made up, guess what, of human beings. Every one of our churches, where do we recruit members? We recruit them out of the human race. Well, what's the matter with the human race? All of us are sinners. And whenever we come to church, we are still like that. It's part of the reason we need to be in church is because it will enable us and help us to get past some of the things that have been problems for us. And whenever someone in your church family does something that embarrasses you or hurts you or whatever, don't pack up and leave the church. Don't do something like, well, I'm not ever going to speak to that person again. No, you need to learn to be a forgiver. And the same thing will be happening in your business, wherever that you work. There's going to be all kinds of times when you'll be privileged to forgive somebody and then just go right on with life at work. You know, our Heavenly Father expects us to be a forgiver. That's very clear from what Jesus gave us here on the Sermon on the Mount. It pleases Him to forgive And it pleases him when you and I provide forgiveness for other people. And by the way, it profits us when we are a forgiver. So let you and I engage God for his forgiveness. Let's edify others by extending forgiveness to them. And let you and I enjoy the benefits of being a forgiver and getting the forgiveness of others as we receive the forgiveness of God as well. So, dear friend, this whole business, the forgiveness factor, it's a big thing, and Jesus lays it out here. And by the way, it works wherever that we live, work, and play. And don't forget to enjoy the forgiveness of God and be a great forgiver. Well, dear friends, thank you for being along today. I hope you go to church on Sunday, and I'll be back here on Monday, Lord willing. We'll look forward to that. Do check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com, and write me a note this weekend. I'd be glad to hear from you. Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And until Monday, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and a great weekend, and goodbye for now. Thank you.